I'm Toronto. Mm. Nice to meet you. You too. <laughs> and can you say your name with the correct pronunciation? Yes, totally. It's Luna Matadas. Luna Matadas. And you'd think that that would rhyme right off the tongue because of the Lion King, yet it took me 16 tries to like get it right. So <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's so funny because I've actually watched some of your content on a sex uh, education site. And I was saying to the guy I was watching it with, I'm like, I want to say your name in my video, but I can't pronounce it and I don't want to butcher it. <laughs> and I thought, that's my issue. I better fix that because you <laughs> need to be told. Your story and your vibe needs to be shared. And so I had to just suck it up and be like, can you just tell me how to say it? <laughs> oh, thank you for that. Yeah, I'm so glad that you found me through that content. Like, yeah, that's awesome. So I had to do some homework for, you know, this company. And so I was, you know, watching some of these content and my boyfriend's beside me and I'm listening to like the daddy dom and I'm like blushing and he's like, it just was so helpful. It felt safe. It felt exciting. He learned, I learned, we learned things together that we wouldn't have thought to ask. And I remember stopping in the middle and being like, she's just like me. She talks like me. And he's like, she does. And he's like, I don't know what your background is. Are you Spanish? No, my parents are Guyanese. Guyanese. Okay. I took a random shot there, but Guyanese. I'm like, <laughs> she's the Toronto unicorn Guyanese style. Right. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, just, I loved how you spoke. Right. It's not just mm. that what you're speaking about it. I remember it was like a rough sex video or something. And you're like, look, like, I don't want you to come and like hit me in the face at the bar. Like, you know, this is a container thing we do in the bedroom. And and that just explained for some people the complexity yet simplicity of kink, right? It's if somebody wants you to ragdoll them, it doesn't mean they want you to treat them that way in life. Right. So anyways, yeah. I just go right in, but I'm going to give you the full intro that you deserve. Luna Matatas, I hope I said that right. You did. Um, according to my notes, you are a sex and pleasure educator, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to let you give your own intro, but I'm going to then follow it up with my like fascination with you. Okay. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. I've been a sex and pleasure educator for about 15 years and I actually started more in public health. So doing HIV stuff and STI management. And then I moved into pleasure about nine years ago. Um, and, and my pleasure origins are, are strongly in Toronto. I started teaching my first class, which was how to have a threesome at good for her and um, good for is a, a feminist sex owned or feminist owned sex positive shop. Um, and they were just so committed to the same style of education that I was. So really helping people navigate things that get in the way of, of pleasure. So not just technique, although technique is important, but things like shame and confidence and communication that none of us learned in our high school sex ed. So I've been really lucky to, to get to build my repertoire of classes. I teach over 35 different topics, um, about 15 kinky ones and then other different types of stuff. Um, and I get to meet so many cool people. Like there are so many like-minded people in this field around sexual liberation and body positivity. It's, it's a beautiful group of people that want everyone to have more pleasure. It's true. It is a beautiful network. I've, I've enjoyed cross promoting people I found because it's not really competition. Everybody's yeah. adding to the mosaic of an understanding and we all add different value and we all connect differently with different people. Right. So 
Yeah. And it's good to have brave women out there doing what we're doing, you know, totally other people, other women and other men and everyone in between that, you know, you don't have to associate shame with sex just because you did for the first, however many years of your life, even if it's 50, 60, you can de-shame sex. It is programmed in, it's programmed out. So absolutely. I did not grow up in a sex positive household. I went to Catholic school. I learned nothing about sex. And so there's always time to get this new information. And, and, you know, I'm sure you and I have similar audiences that are curious and they're just looking for quality information, unbiased information. And that's really what I love doing with people is facilitating that information. It's true. And something else they want is to not feel like somebody's talking down to them or condescending yeah. or whatever. And so I've noticed that your approach is similar to mine and that we're really kind of there to like be a coach. We're there to like boost people up and not make them feel stupid because they don't know something. Um, and I think that that is really, I've noticed that that makes me want to continue listening to what somebody's saying is when they don't assume things I know, I already don't know. Like for when people use acronyms, that they oh, just God, rhyme yeah. off their tongue. And I'm like, what is an, 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 an like BBW, like what? So yeah. you need to be able to talk to people in a way that they can understand, but without talking down. And so it's not a skill everyone has, but I think we both align there. Um, yeah, so uh, I've seen some of your courses online. I showed my boyfriend, I was like, this girl has the creative like vision that I would mm. love to to look more into because what you offer, I didn't know was out there. I didn't know there was a course that you could pay. I think it's, am I going to get the price or 35 or 39? How much is it? 39. Yeah. Super affordable. And I saw something that was about plus size sexy and you have listed there. You know what? How do you go shopping for clothes? How do you work on body positivity? You had a little course made a video webinar course thingy. And I love that I'm using like thingy words to describe your thing, but I do it with love. It's okay. Yeah. Right. But the thing is for someone who is ready to start embracing something, they don't know how to start. And yes, you as a trusted educator, because you can get your education on other topics for free. You could then get that honed in specialized pep talk, essentially from someone you trust about something that everybody would need help with if they're trying to live their best life and they don't know how, right? Yeah. So I was really impressed with the content that you offer and the, the, the courses because what you do getting your name out there is the right way. Because once people follow a voice, they want to hear what else that voice is saying. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And like you said, there's, there's, I love all those insights because I think that there's so many people talking about the same topics, but you're going to resonate with who you resonate with. And you described my approach in, in such a, a humble way. Like it, that it, it's very much, I'm not the best at sex. I'm not the most confident at sex and nor do I ever say I am. I help people navigate some of the similar mistakes, challenges, and narratives that, that are in the way of my pleasure. And so I still have all those things. I still have body shame. I still have performance anxiety, but I have tools to navigate them now. And that's what I share with other people. Yeah, it's so cool. I remember saying to my to my guy, I was like, you know, I was the same weight before where I would hide my body from people like very intentionally. And I was like, it's not like I lost a bunch of weight and then suddenly started thriving. Yeah. I started thriving in the same body and I just dressed it differently. <laughs> and I was like, isn't it funny that you can hit a certain mental space that's not on the scale that says, okay let's just work it. Let's just own it. Let's live the life we have. I love the Carrie Bradshaw quote on Sex in the City, accessorize the outfit you've got. And mm. once you decide to live your best life with whatever you have, it is life-changing. 
Yes, it totally is. I think people think that people who have six packs are having better sex or bigger orgasms than they are. And it's not true. We we put so much um, weight literally on appearance. And, um, you know, what I look like is actually the least interesting thing about my sexiness. Like it, it really, it plays a factor, but it's, it's not the most powerful thing. And we're all aging. We're all going to have to come into relationship with new bodies and pleasure as we age or go through postpartum or perimenopause or erectile dysfunction. So it, it's a good skill that, that you, you talked about and just like, well, I got to find pleasure in this body right now i gotta i gotta change it up in my perspective in my relationship to it and less about what it looks like yeah it's so true and even with people with disabilities there are absolutely sex toys designed to accommodate that i have seen dildos that you can strap on your leg on your thigh somebody could bump like up and down on one there are if you're looking out there there are ways right and the yeah. things that i've seen men do to a chevy uh whatever car to like soup it up i'm like you can do that to sex you can soup up your sex too uh, cock sleeves. I'm a big fan of those. I think for men who are um, self-conscious about not pleasuring a partner, maybe their, their dick is not as big as they had hoped it was. You don't have to feel shame in using a sex toy, even if it's on your dick, because you will get the reaction out of that person and energetically you're getting that pleasure. So yeah, you might have a sleeve and you might not feel the physical sensation on the tip of your dick, but you're going to be giving somebody a feeling and that's still worth something, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you nailed it. Like, don't be afraid of things that are going to help you. Exactly. And guys, like, I just, they, they'll use toys and like for like everything like complicated and like the wood sheds and like their their car sheds and i'm like but when it comes to sex they're like oh i can't use a cock ring can't use a cock ring i'm like like seriously it's like there there's like a boundary there of what maybe their masculinity might be feeling a little, a little bit threatened and I, so i hope i kind of hope to help work on that too because one of the unique parts of my channel is I like to advocate for the man's experience too, um, specifically because I go to sex clubs a lot. I see how some of the men are treated a little dehum like dehumanized um, by some people looking to fulfill fantasies and it bothered me. And so I like mm. to try and communicate out to the world uh, some reminders that, the, you know, they're more than just a hard penis or, you know, whatever they're John and John is nervous too. And like, you know, give John, you know, a handshake before you expect him to, you know, so like it's, it's, I'm trying to help everybody feel more comfortable. And then when I run my own gangbangs, which is something I do at clubs, because I help people fulfill fantasies. So I'll get their little requirements, you know, condoms, no anal, things like that. Then I work with the men in a really good, you know, coach like fashion, instead of a dictatorship, right, where I'm like, you hard dick there, like, it's just so much different. And I even have a fluffer section. So if there's guys that are having performance anxiety or whatever, I don't reject them out of the scene like I've seen others do. I actually encourage them to go visit the mouth of the girl or maybe go to the side and, uh, you know, give them another opportunity in a few minutes. So I go home at night feeling good that those guys specifically had a great experience too, not just the woman having the pleasure of her life, right? So yeah. Yeah, so there's so much about men's pleasure and masculinity and all that that I love to kind of dip into too. So don't be afraid to go there with me. Um, yeah, 
Yeah. Well, I think what you're saying is is so true. I think that um, society puts all this pressure on men to just be an erection and just be a hard dick. And then men hold on to that. So I think the men that you are working with are open to being coached, are open to another way. And I think it's a hard reality that so many men are not. And like what you were talking about, the ones who are rejecting the toys or their partner's feedback. And so I think it's a culture shift as well as an individual shift. Like men have to want to help themselves have more pleasure for themselves and for their partners. And it sounds like you're connecting with them in ways that give them those skills that say like, like, hey, here's another way to be, you know, here's another way to respond to your anxiety or losing your erection or um, asking for support or communicating your needs. Like these are things all humans need to to learn. It's true. And I, again, I've noticed the approach of doing it as a friendly, like lean in, give a, give some advice versus, you know, I've seen people try their, their best to communicate something to a guy, but they'll say it in a way that's like, a little dominating or you know that can also be a trigger to some guys like don't even try to talk to me like that right so I know not to be like you go over there like I'm not exerting control over people who didn't give me that authority I just know that I'm running a scene and I have holes to fill right so it's like mm. all right and I literally like look to the guys and I was like what enthusiastic gentleman wants to come first like I build the energy so they know how to fill it too right mm. and so I just I, because guys they have the best of intentions at these clubs and everyone just expects everyone to know how to fuck them well. And it's really different from every person. So you got to give the gameplay. You got to say, finger me, eat me out, like give the gameplay. And I've noticed in some threesomes and, and some orgies and things that I've helped with that there's uh, some communication barriers that people have. They feel guilty asking for pleasure, right? Just like you said, shame is, is all around pleasure for some people. And so they sit there getting, you know, mediocre oral while the person down there is not getting the glorious feedback they're hoping for. So both of you are like not having a great experience and you can solve that with the right approach and communication that's encouraging versus, you know, talking down about their skills. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think communication is the top skill that I give in any of those 35 classes like yes i can teach you how to spank or do cock and ball torture or how to have a threesome but the if you don't have the communication these are just tools that you're not going to be able to facilitate with another human being and yeah. holding space for things like empathy and understanding and being able to comfort yourself you get triggered you feel anxious you're nervous there's also a responsibility to show up in in duos and more and more sums as um, someone who's capable of, of contributing to the space as well as taking from it. Exactly. So it's funny, some of the guys that single guys that come into the clubs, I like to give them advice on my YouTube channel and stuff. And I was like, don't come in there fucking thirsty. Don't come in there looking at me and I'm the girl sucking your dick tonight. Because <laughs> there's every guy wants us to do that. You need to give me a reason to say yes. And what is that reason? It needs to be less about you and what I can do for you and more about whether I want a neck rub from you or some good conversation or something. And some of them are dumbfounded at this. They're like, it's not just free sex. I'm like, no, it's not free sex. You just go in there. You have to have game still. You have to have some kind of, you know, social skills. And so a personality, yeah. Right? <laughs> and you would think that they know that, but they don't because people have this like expectation of a sex club and they just think right so they walk around and I remember getting really upset with some people because I had a very friendly conversation it was very innocent and then they um they found me on social media later and they're like yeah I was disappointed you didn't suck my dick and I was like 
first of all, there's going to be a many of all, by the way. I was like, first of Good. all. Right? Like, and I just went on. I was like, first of all, like that said a lot about what you wanted from me and very little about what I was, what was in it for me. Um, and I said, and that's a really a weird expectation to have of somebody who didn't, you know, uh, communicate that. So it, it was just, I have some work to do there in terms of helping people bridge their expectations. And then that actually could help them be more successful too. So it's really well motivated my advice. Yeah. Um, Cause there's nothing I like better than seeing people thrive with their sexuality and their sexuality. Yeah. I love that you're doing that kind of work. Um, when I teach on campus, I I teach uh, consent to young people. And I never teach consent from a cover your ass perspective. Like, yes, that person said yes. And then so everything after that yes was okay. If you don't care about your partner's pleasure, if I don't care what you're getting out of you sucking my dick, yeah. then there's this, this not consensual. It's And, and it's not thriving. If, if I don't want to increase your pleasure and get pleasure from giving as well as receiving, then it's transactional. And that should be clear upfront. That should be like, okay, so what are we exchanging? Because there's some kind of exchange. Exactly. And that's why as a, I used to be a thriving single woman unicorn in the swinger lifestyle. Now I'm partnered up with a wonderful guy and now we're exploring as a couple. So it's, it's awesome. New. But I remember the threesomes that I would be seeking and some of the couples would treat me like nothing more than their escort. And yes. I, I was just asked like, oh, do you do this? Will you ride? Do you swallow cum? And I was like, well, my name is Sarah. Um, you know, like, let's get to know each right. other before you ask if I'm going to swallow his cum. Um, so there's, th I noticed a trend when I started joining the lifestyle and I started making the videos as a result to be like, guess what? <laughs> we don't want to ride a, a fucking, you know, go bus for two hours to go and meet you for a potential threesome. How about you fucking come to me? Right? Like yeah. I started having that kind of spite attitude in there. Good. These couples are not making me feel like a princess. And that's what I thought this was going to be. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. My whole thing is don't you approach a goddess without an offering. Like exactly. what are you bringing me? This is not, but I was very much like you that, and that's why I started teaching how to have a threesome as my first class. Cause I had so many terrible threesomes and there were so many patterns. I thought this is so easy for couples to not be at the bottom of like, you know, where the bar is like just a few things, like really being interested in what are you offering as a couple, you know? And if you do want to hire a sex worker for someone to just be there for your fantasy, do that. You know, like that do that. This is what <laughs> yeah. I, I wish, like, I wish it was more legal, but there is a purpose to sex work and I love sex work. I wish it would be more um, socially acceptable, legal, because yes. it is something that if people are willing to exchange, especially if it's not coerced in any way, there is a fucking market. And frankly, it could solve a lot of crime. I'm just saying. Um, but one of the things is if that, if you just want to freeze them and you're a couple, you're up against a tide of like of resistance, because first of all, single women are hard to find. Then when you find one, then you've got to make them, you know, interested in having sex with both of you. And it's statistically less likely, right? Because there's more people involved. And so sometimes what I say to couples when they're getting discouraged is throw some fucking money at it. You could have this solved tonight. Like you could have the girl who swallows your husband's cum and does the thing that you want to do. And then you send, and then she goes away, which is what a lot of couples want to go yeah. after the threesome, right? And I was like, so they, it doesn't occur to them. And they're like, oh, yeah. I couldn't do that. And I was like, okay, well, maybe you can't. Some people, it's not for them. But if you're looking to have that fantasy fulfilled, there are people out there who can do that for you.
Agreed. I I have a post on my blog that's one of the top posts because it's about 10 things that couples do that make me want to fuck them. And I actually wrote it about an actual couple that they were my favorite threesome couple to date. And they were my favorite because they both got interested in each other's pleasure and my pleasure. So they were happy to see each other with me. We all took turns being the center of attention. Um, there was so much communication. They flirted with each other, but also flirted with me. And it was such a an opposite experience to where you're like, some, you feel like an invited intruder into a lot of threesomes. You're like, I'm here, but there's a lot of like, don't touch this and don't break that and don't kiss this. And it just doesn't feel like the, the couple has enough um, communication to actually know what they want. They've just thought about the fantasy and a third body. So doing that work as a couple, like asking like, what would make you super uncomfortable? What would make you super hot? You know, what are we doing for this other person? Like what, what kind of needs are we going to fulfill for this person? Those are three simple questions that could upgrade, I'd say like 90% of couples profiles that I see on like field or Bumble or whatever. <laughs> it's true. And for some of them, they just think single women are just a human sex toy for their night. Yeah. And I think that's the the bridge I'm trying to make between the the parties is let's humanize this. Let's let's yeah. remember that single woman has her own fantasies and like does this for a certain reason. So I think I'm doing a good job with it because I've noticed, you know, some people having better experiences around me and things like that. But one of the things you said really resonated is I don't like what I call yellow tape across holes. Like if you're going to be like, no kissing, but anal's allowed. I'm like, I don't know. There's a lot to remember here. Like I just, you know, it's sex. I don't like a lot of rules in sex. I understand the safety that's needed from a couple's perspective, but when people start blocking off holes or um, certain positions or things like that, it just, it makes me feel like they're not comfortable enough for me and yeah. that makes me uncomfortable because I have been in the middle of a threesome when that girl got pissed off because she didn't actually like being. <laughs> yeah. Same. Like, oh yeah. God, oh God. It kind yeah. of surprises me that you, were, were you actually a single woman having threesomes? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that about you. So now I feel like we really are like twinsies because we have, we're in Toronto, both of us. Uh, we're both doing this sex education online thing. And now I find out that you've also done the single woman with couples thing and giving advice about it. I didn't know that I had a, 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 a twinsie out there. but yeah, so. <laughs> Well, glad we found each other. <laughs> I know, right? Um, and so one of the things that I really loved about your specific content was the daddy dom and dominance topics. Because when I'm, I'm in a new relationship that is the, the sex is as hot as I could have ever imagined in my life. And so one of the reasons is because he's the first man I ever called daddy ever. Okay, I've, I've just reserved it like my virginity used to be held in the Okay, <laughs> so I held it for him, but it is this beautiful, sensual, deep rooted dynamic that gets me so fucking excited. So I um, am new to the idea of it. I'm new to saying the word. I'm new to how that might feel to say that word to somebody who hasn't. So it was a little uh, vulnerable for us. And so then we watched your course. And I, I don't, I'm not going to lie. We only watched half because we started having sex in the middle. It turned us on so much. So yeah, I figure, <laughs> I figure that's what people do with my classes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll finish it one day, but like, I, I couldn't even because it was so exciting to us. That's why I give like, lifetime access now. 
that's a good idea because it can be very unintentionally even arousing because we're learning that like looking at each other while we're hearing like oh this is why it turns and then we're like smiling because it's kind of true and oh you know what is it like I know you ask questions like you know how do you want to do you want to be spanked do you want to be choked like do you want to be told you're a good girl and it's like you need to know how to dominate someone and how they want to be dominated right Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people hear the word dominant and they think domineering. So I got to be mean and bossy and this. And yeah, all those things could be part of the characteristics that you bring into your dominant space. But it's it's actually just being a bully if you don't talk about it with your partner. And if there isn't a a flip side to your dominance that actually meshes really well, because there's so many different ways to be dominant, to be authority, even a daddy, you could be authoritative, you could be nurturing, you could be cruel, you could be playful, you could be a submissive daddy if you wanted to be. So I, I think like opening up that erotic creativity for people helps them get more insights, like you said, into the fantasy, which actually builds their confidence and satisfaction more than if I said, okay, Sarah, here's how you be a daddy. Like do this, do this, do that. Well, then you're just mimicking versus like actually integrating and digging within you so that it feels connected. It's so true because people, especially with the dirty talk, which is something else I, I took the course on. It's like, you need to know, it's not just a bunch of lines that you're saying. You need to be able to feel the words that you're going to be saying. And that's how it feels natural. That's how it feels comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes that's messy and silly and you say the wrong thing or you laugh at each other. Who cares? You know, unless you're doing performance, you know, unless you're a performer, then really that should be a part of your sex. Like who hasn't fallen off the bed, farted, <laughs> sweated, you know, someone steps on your boob or your arm or something, you know, like there's, there's, this stuff is just part of it. But we're also used to seeing performative sex and we think that it has to look that way for us. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. I've learned a lot about sex going to open concept sex clubs. I've been able to observe and watch and learn and, and be almost desensitized to all the different vaginas and everything, because there's so much variety out there. And like, you just don't see it a lot. If you're not looking to look at other people's vaginas, you're not going to know that they all look a little different, right? Exactly. Um, so the daddy dom stuff really excited me. And I know that for some people, the term itself is a bit off-putting because of concerns about it. And I want to start there so that we keep them, right? So yeah. can you do your best to explain this uh, dynamic? And uh, and I'll just look, give you the floor. Take as much of it as you like. Yeah, sure. So a lot of times people feel that daddy play is about incest or it's about... Um, uh, like someone has daddy issues. And sometimes, sometimes our fantasies come from trauma. Sometimes our fantasies come from our issues. You know, we live in a paternalistic, patriarchal society. We all have daddy issues. Um, but this play isn't called father play. So it's it's actually about daddy energy. So daddy, when you think of daddy, you know, if you're listening now, like think about what comes to mind. Like, you know, I, I don't necessarily fantasize about actual characteristics of my own dad, um, but I actually like being the daddy. So I want to be a femme daddy. I want to have that authoritative nurturing. Um, I describe myself as bossy and I like obedience. Um, so thinking about, you know, what what actually is drawing you to it? Because it's less likely some of the more stereotypical things. 
age play within daddy play is not a necessity. So you don't have to act or um, have characteristics that are regressive to childhood kind of characteristics or younger. You could be, you know, I'm 43, you could be a 43 year old person playing little girl or little boy for your daddy, right? It doesn't, it doesn't have, or I could be the daddy and be the older or a younger person and have a, an older um, person who's my submissive. So really thinking about, you know, what turns me on about this fantasy? What are some of the things I want to feel? So people will say power. Okay, you want to feel, but what kind of power? There's authoritative power. There's nurturing power. There's like disciplinarian power. Um, get specific about telling that story. If someone asked you to write erotica about this fantasy, how would you describe it? Because I find it really frustrating when um, I'm chatting with people on apps and they'll say things like, I'm into daddy play. And I'm like, cool, what turns you on about it? And they just say, uh, in control, or I like power. I'm like, that's not nuanced enough. And I often have, I had a really cute couple come to me who said, you know, I asked my partner to be more dominant and uh, he came into the bedroom and he was an asshole. <laughs> and he's like, I thought that's what it meant. I didn't know, you know, and they hadn't talked about what the nuances of how you want to feel as the little or the the girl or the good girl and how I want to the daddy. That's a critical conversation. Do you, excuse me, to even like navigating if you do have hangups about it. Because many of us are turned on by shit we think is taboo and wrong, right? Do you ever masturbate? And then afterwards, you're like, that was so good, but I'm so messed up, you know? Like, <laughs> this happened. Real quick. I'm yeah, like, you're like, never again out of my browser. Yeah. <laughs> Not me. I fantasize normal things. You know, I, no, we most yeah. of us don't. <laughs> I, I, that's a new word for like post-nut clarity, I call it. It's like the sobering <laughs> up of your erotic and you're like, oh, goodness, where was I just now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being a good human, moral, ethical human, you know? And that's why we create containers. So containers, think of them like as a box that you step into for your fantasy. You know where your fantasy lives, where the boundaries are. But most importantly, you know where the entrance and the exit is to that fantasy. So if your daddy power started to spill over into our financial life or our domestic life and that's not erotic for me, that's a boundary. That's going to be like, hey, we need something to kind of clearly say, here's where daddy play starts and here's where it ends. And that helps people who might feel embarrassed after the, that you're like you're saying, that post-nut sobering kind of clarity. Yeah. It's like, okay, but that was, you know, that was just me in the bedroom, right? It's not actually, I'm a feminist, I'm this, I'm that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So for some people, the word itself is like, oh, I don't, I don't have daddy issues. Or even if I do, like, I don't need them to think that it's because of that. Sometimes there is enjoyment, especially because I'm new to dominant submissive play, right? I stuttered or stuttered. I technically just did stutter. <laughs> I studied, uh, technically it was called women's studies at the time. Now it's called gender studies at, at Queens University in Kingston. And um, I definitely studied a lot about um, about pleasure and everything, but the men's side too. And I tried to learn how men's masculinity was also being worn on them um, as well. And so they're they're filling in these you know archetypes or whatever that they're expected, and and that blends into sex too. Never did do the daddy thing thing. I never wanted it back then. I never wanted to even be submissive, right? I was a dominant woman in life. I had never had power play dynamics and sex didn't occur to me. Just have sex, right? So then I'm in my 30s. I'm feeling myself because like I finally like my body regardless of what the scale says. It's like super liberating. And I'm starting to let myself go to places that excite me without questioning what does it mean? 
And I think that's what I like about your container analogy is if you get turned on erotically by something, it doesn't mean that that's part of your identity in your mainstream life, right? No, actually, for a lot of fantasies, we're suspending some of those ethics, some of those um, insights around um, equity. We're we're kind of pausing them so we can go into our darkness because really, you know, everyone has the ability to be a bully, but we tone it down because we know that as people, this is not good human behavior. But in your erotic side, because you're playing you can play with that juicy, charismatic bully energy. I mean, think about in movies, like who the most charismatic characters are. They're often the villains. And um, there's something seductive and exciting about taboo or darkness. Um, and so to to kind of like soothe that, that moral chasm, uh, it does require communication. Like even saying to your partner, look, I'm so turned on by this, but I'm kind of fucked up by it too. So afterwards, can we do something that makes it really clear, like, blowing out a candle or um, only using the word daddy in that scenario and nowhere else that that for some people helps keep it in the container it's so true and um, so I have recently started exploring this dynamic with a guy who has never been you know explored to it either and we're really jiving into it and I started to follow some meme sites and stuff just so I could get a better understanding of my own why do I like it what is I like it but I'm learning why I like it right so there's a lot to uncover in our own selves that we don't need to know up front. We can, all we need to know is what excites us. And maybe we go down that rabbit hole as long as that rabbit hole is consensual um, and legal is what I like to say, right? So I just think that some people, they don't know how to get started or they don't want to go all the way down that whole, you know, kink, but everything's kind of a continuum and you really can pick and choose the aspects of kink, especially daddy dom and anything else that you could say, you know, I really like this, but I don't want... Like, for example, the guy that I'm with, I don't want him to be a dick to me. I have had guys where I did want to be a little meaner to me because I got off on a certain vibe, right? But with this guy, the, like, he's like my love. And so he treats me so well in life and during the day that he doesn't want to be an asshole to me. And I don't want to encourage it because I don't need it from him. I just, I love the, the, the touching of my hair, like the caressing, the nurturing. Oh, you're doing such a good job. That's the kind of daddy dumps up I like, even though I want him to be aggressive and rough and like, you know, put my head on his, you know, dick and give it a whirl kind of thing. And I'm teaching him more and more about where I like it. And so even though I gag, I ask him to not stop because it's involuntary and I don't want him to stop. Like, and so he's like, he's having a hard time pushing through something that you would normally never do. So there's some fun in our in entertainment in our sex by just going a little bit over the line here and there of what we would do in normal life, right? Yes. And again, it's a fun little playground going into our little darkness together and then just playing around and then coming out and living our lives, right? Yeah, that's so awesome that you found um like the sweet spots in it. And yeah. and I think that's the the approach that people who are looking for this kind of play, it should be a curious play. You don't come in and you announce you're a daddy now. Like you got to find out, you know, like I'm here, I'm a daddy. That that kind of energy is such a turnoff. Um, and I actually am very discerning when uh, I'm a switch. So I like subbing and doming, but I'm much more discerning around dominance than I am um, around being a dominant. And that's because like there's so much. Uh, assumptions around dominance and the way that it shows up with, you know, that 
like I don't have a submissive personality. And so when we're not in that space, I'm going to say like what I like and what I want and submissives need to be able to own that. So being submissive doesn't mean if someone says to me, do whatever you want to me immediately, I'm like, you have no boundaries. You don't know yourself. Like I'm not, I'm not interested. And um, that for me is a confidence thing. I can't confidently push you in the way that you want to be pushed. If I don't know where your buttons are. Yeah, it's so true. And I, it's just like when you ask somebody like, what do you want from dinner? They're like, I don't know. When you're like, what is it? Like, what do you get turned on by in sex? And they're like, I don't know. Like, I'm like, sex. I just, like, tell me, suck a nipple. Like, what do you want me to do? Like, give me some kind of starting play, right? Can I not have, you know, they have GPS instructions for like, getting <laughs> can I have some kind of GPS instructions yeah. at least the first few times on, oh, I would really like a nipple play right now. Or like, if she could, if you could suck a little harder, like give me a bit of your inner voice so that I know yeah. better at what I'm trying to offer. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a great way to put it, that inner voice um, and and just that insight. And if you don't know, even start by thinking about what you don't like. That's a great place to give information to. It's true. So what I didn't like before, I like with him. And that's what's so interesting is I would have gotten pissed off if a man called me a slut before. Some Mostly because it's inaccurate and I have an issue with that. I think it's a, I'm a bit on the spectrum there. So I'm like, I'm not technically a slut because I actually... And the only one of my friends that is uh, very sexually liberated, but I'm demisexual and I don't have sex with people I don't really, really want to. And so I don't, I'm not the, I'm not the normal archetype of who goes to sex clubs, even though I love to go. Um, and so I am not technically a slut. I'd love to be able to be, but I wouldn't get any pleasure out of it myself. So I just don't do it. And so for him though, because this dynamic is so rich, right. And in, in feeling and everything, I started calling myself his like eager little cock slut. And I was like, I'm surprising myself. Like I'm 39 years old and I'm, I'm suddenly into being called his little cock sucking slut. I'm like, you're never done evolving. You really aren't. Right. Yeah. It's so true. I, th I think that um, especially when you step away from only watching porn, your erotic imagination just gets wilder. And so consuming things like audio erotica, going into your spank bank, uh, written erotica, observing live sex at sex clubs is a great way to get those porn noises out of your head. Like they are performers um, and it's meant to be sensationalized. And I, I think so many people have a stronger ability to dirty talk. They have like more confidence in role play as they wean away from just watching mainstream porn. Cause you have to get more and more intense after a while. Like you can't just watch your go-tos um, and that disconnects you from like your, your body experience. Porn's hot, porn's inspiration, but most of us consume, especially men, most of us are consuming too much of it without that insight into our own imagination. It's true. I just, we just, so I do girl talks on this podcast. They're called, you know, all sorts of topics, but I have a bunch of rotating female guests for the most part that are, we talk about topics like porn and what do we really think of, you know, dick size and like whatever it is. Right. And so we just did our last episode was about porn and uh, we, we did talk about it in depth, but it, it it's so unrealistic in certain ways. It's, it, it could be a good teaching tool and all of that, but it's it's hard to to translate what you see on screen into your real life effectively with communicating with your partner. So if you go say to somebody, I want you to ragdoll my face, they might Google that, see something different that that's what it means to them and then do it to you. And so I, I do like to see porn as like you can cookie cutter out little clips and be like, please do this, right? 
but there is so much harm there in the desensitization, which is what you just brought on. I would uh, stand on, you know, any soapbox and say, be careful where you go in porn. I love porn. I have been desensitized to porn. I can see how it can happen. I want everybody out there to be very curated with what they consume because it is all a bunch of rabbit holes that you can go down and you just want to make sure that you go in places that make you feel safe and make you feel good. And um, I know there are some kink websites that I had to kind of like kind of personally log off on because the feeds that I would see of like people liking other people's content that maybe I didn't follow, but it was really extreme and it made me start to become desensitized to something I felt was extreme. And I thought, oh no, I don't want to be desensitized. So it's my job to not plug in. Right. And so yeah. yeah, you have a lot of control over your porn habits. So there, there's ways we can even just start to mix it up. So lots of uh, people are watching only one type or only one body or, you know, and even just shifting things in a way that, you know, might not turn you on as much, but it gets your brain kind of curious about something else versus feeling yeah. like desperate for that, that hit from whatever porn you have. Um, it just makes you even able to be more present during, during sex. It's true. And my friend Amelia recently was like, I, she like stopped a play, like playing with a guy because he said like, can you just do it more aggressively? Like in porn. And she was like, like, you're not in a porn. She's like, you're talking to Amelia. She was like, so on her soapbox. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. (laughs) Like, can you, can you stay hard for eight hours? Like in porn? Probably not. So, you know, no, that's not. Yeah. I think that that's really frustrating when either someone says it or you can feel it from someone. Like when you described, um ragdolling if someone's like wants to ragdoll your head well yeah but what do you what do you want to feel you know if if i'm being ragdolled maybe i want to feel helpless maybe i want to feel adored maybe i want to feel of service maybe i want to feel afraid that's like the whatever you're doing is just like the vessel for that sexy intention right so spanking could be five million ways five million reasons um and i think when people kind of tap into that it feels more accessible it feels like i don't have to be hard for eight hours i don't have like now we've engaged the mind and the body and the mind is where arousal starts so even if you have signs of arousal like erections or wetness it's your, you could have that. And we all know that even with those signs, sometimes if our brain is not in the moment, we're not orgasming. It's not happening. Right. So we need that, that mental connection. It's so true. I, there's so many avenues I'd love to go down with you and I have ADHD. So I'm trying hard not to like chase all the rabbits that I see kind of of, of interest. Um, but one of the things that I really, I really stood out already in our chat is the area I think I really need you to drill a little bit deeper in is the types of daddy dom and the types of submissives. That's a, that's a big topic that that's like nurturing cruel, like even just a little bit below the layer. So cruel would be somebody who is a bit more mean or maybe treats you a little bit like you get scared and that's what you get out of it. Right. But a nurturing wouldn't treat you that way. Yeah. And that's what I go into in the class. Like the class has a a ton of top, the other half that you didn't watch yet has uh, like a a bunch of different archetypes. I lay out um, the daddy admirers versus like the daddy um, personas. And there's just so many. And you're right. Like when drilling down into those different feelings, um, I go into tools for how to figure out like what those feelings are. 
Yeah. And so when you would just ask now, like when you said the rag doll, your face, what do you want to feel? That was a great follow-up question because then I'm like, well, I actually want to be of service. So I love this service side of submissive mm. with certain guys. And so I don't need him to choke me if he doesn't get anything out of it. I don't need him to do that for me, but if he gets something out of it, then I do need him to do it. Right. Yeah. So it's a really helpful way for them to even understand how to dominate you. Right. Absolutely. Because um, like choking is a good example you might not be a masochist. You might not be someone who enjoys physical pain, but you'll take it because you know that your dominant gets off on feeling like you're taking it for them. Like anal, frankly, some of it, you know? <laughs> yeah, I really like giving or receiving anal. So uh, that, I that to, for me- Sometimes yeah. I need to like the guy a lot to take it. <laughs> like, yeah. Sometimes I say like, when you know when they get halfway in and they're like, are you ready for the other half? That's the moment where I'm like- Do You're like, no. <laughs> yeah. You're like, that's enough. <laughs> yeah, GTFO, get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you were to give advice to somebody exploring the diet-dom dynamic, I know you've got courses on it and that's it's definitely good if they want to drill in and get a safe source of information. But what would be some top tips for people to get started? Um, talking with your partner about what turns you on about the fantasy. Um, so some of the questions we've already talked about um, and actually having a, a sense of different stages. So maybe we just start with like calling using the word daddy. Maybe we start with um, some power exchange because daddy play doesn't have to have power exchange. You might just like calling your partner daddy. Um, I had sex with someone once where in the middle of it, he's like, call me daddy. And I was like, I'm the daddy. Like, I like, uh -oh. I didn't even, and it was such a turn off because he was, was so like, it did not come out in any of his any of the questions I asked him and I probably wasn't as communicative back then either um but it was just the assumption that I was the woman I was the more feminine person that I was going to be the submissive um and so getting those assumptions like scratching those off like allowing yourself to dream and play a little like what what do you want to feel if your partner is not into it you know even talking about it in that conversation you might find other themes that um you could connect to so maybe i don't want to call you daddy but i love the idea of you leading and taking control so do that without the daddy stuff it's true because sometimes just that word is the hangout for some people and so you could still have a, a power play dynamic or a nurturing submissive or whatever dynamic but without even using the words you could use some some use sir like i know there's like a different uh degrees of submission there's like master slave all of that this was all new to me a couple years ago too but i i've studied up since then and uh, i know there's um there's very um there's each relationship might want a different term even if it's the same kind of feeling dynamic. So it's not always daddy. Sometimes it's sir, sometimes it's master, whatever. So um, to each their own, right? Uh, yeah, that's why I teach different dominant classes. So there's the daddy dom one, there's dominance, delicious dominant skills, which is for anyone of any gender. And then there's be a fab femdom one and two. And those ones are specific for people looking for like feminine dominance, but regardless of gender. Yeah, so I do a bit of femdom stuff too. Like I'm just kind of dipping my toe into it. It comes very naturally to me too to to train almost like channel a certain energy. So I feel um it's like a bit effortless. But just like you, I like obedience. I wouldn't enjoy a brat. Um, the brats, just for anyone listening, are I'm gonna do probably a worse job explaining it, but they're the ones that kind of 
they like to push back on the dominant sometimes to provoke attention sometimes to get like to get sex like sometimes to get punishments or punishments right um and so i don't like somebody testing my dominance if i've agreed in that dynamic to have that diamond like don't don't test me you're going to do what i say and you're going to do it with a smile right like so i have a certain way i can be a dominant and other ways that don't feel natural to me so you've got to also probably make sure that people feel good in their roles that they're taking on and and put the ones down that don't fit yeah absolutely any tips for submissives yeah. Um, for submissives, it's really important to understand not only what your boundaries are, but what your um, like what would be the best signs of pleasure for you? Like, what do you want to get out of this? And are you going to get that? So do you want to get oral out of it? Do you want to get tied up? Do you want to get whatever? Because um, saying to your dominant, you know, do whatever you want is a is a fantasy. It's not actually a practical guidance for how to build the scene. Um, submissives can also make the menu. So they can say, hey, you know, I hope I get punished tonight. Is there anything I could do to get punished? You know, and like be really flirty about it. Um, I teach sexy skills for submissives and a submissive dirty talk, which I feel like that one for me, I wanted to create that class for so long because so many submissives feel that if they're communicating, they're topping from the bottom or they're taking power from the, the dominant and using it to control the scene. Asking for what you want, seducing someone for what you want is actually critical. We don't we don't want to be just having sex with someone who's like a doormat. That's that's some some people's fantasies, but that's not what submission means. It's so true. It's so true. And there's so much complexity and in a good way that and so much nuance in this whole kink. You know, there's so much kink out there too. But to the outside world who is coming in and these terms are kind of new and everything, it can be a bit overwhelming. But that, that's why I think um be careful where you Google your your information. And that's why, like like Luna, your content is a trusted source, right? You're talking to people in a way that they could probably relate to once they get a taste of you in your other content. And it becomes more accessible to these other kink and these other worlds where accidentally going down the wrong porn genre might scare someone away, right? If they do a, for example, I don't personally Google um, daddy dom porn because it's too intermixed with other genres that I'm not uh, kink aligned with. And so I just don't find porn like that, right? Like for me, I just don't look that way. But um, so there's, there's, a source there's a reliable source of information pipeline that's needed there and i think it's great that you offer that in such unique ways and topics so why don't you uh, explain where people can go and find you all your social media and all of that yeah yeah um thank you for that i, I think that what you said about trusted sources is so critical i mean porn shows us like the most extreme version of everything because it's supposed to be entertaining um and that's why i started offering my classes on demand and having them online because I mean, I'm based in Toronto. So it's like, if you're in a place where you don't have big city access to um, in-person classes, or I'm only teaching once a month, there's, it's really hard to find that information. And so people can view anything on demand at any time on my site. So you can find me at lunamatadas.com, which is like Hakuna Matadas, but Luna Matadas. Um, and on Instagram, Twitter, all the things, I'm Luna Matadas too. And awesome. And you're also on YouTube and uh, you do got some sex toy reviews there that I thought were really helpful um, because I looked at double-sided dildo specifically. There's a lot to it. Some of them looked a little big. Some of them didn't have the bulb. It was just a little bit thinner. And I thought that can't hold, like I don't have the muscles, right? To hold that in. 
So I just think that like, even if there's things that you wouldn't even normally seek out, but they're just, they're facing you because you've already talked about it. You can actually build your education just on those little clips that I saw, you know, and I just, there's so much out there that I wasn't available to us before. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And YouTube does limit like what we can do, but I heard you say vagina on YouTube. I was like, oh my God, I say such cut like secret words about things because I've been in trouble so many times. Um, oh, I know. I got my whole Instagram account taken down at like 11K and um, YouTube. That's why I don't have a ton on there. And I was sort of testing. So we'll see how long they stay up. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's what also people need to um, realize that a lot of content from people like you and I is not out there. So it is behind paywalls. And so invest in your pleasure, like invest in yourself and get quality information. And invest in the brave fucking souls who are out there like us doing oh, yeah. work to sit to de de shame sex, like to make sex sexual liberation not just something that it's for men or for women or for whoever. It's for everybody at any size, at any sexual experience level, and uh, and the learning just from people who maybe grew up in in certain religious backgrounds or different upbringings. They can dis they can de shame sex, and some people don't know that. Um, you don't always need therapy. Sometimes you do, but there is a way to take control over your pleasure and make your own decisions about what it means when you start to explore things that give you pleasure. Right. Totally. Yeah. I get lots of, um, couples coming to me for one-on-one, um, coaching where they are unlearning all these narratives of shame that have come from either their upbringing or just like society, like, Oh, good. You know, couples who love each other don't do these kinds of things, but we want to. And so it's a really special place to be able to support people in that. That's so cool. Well, I have really enjoyed having our interview today. It was one of the most anticipated ones for me so far because I found you and I was like, oh, this girl is me in a different body, but like you are literally in the same city. I just didn't understand how there was another, you know, parallel kind of influencer that they're doing this. So uh, I'm very happy to have found you. I hope that this isn't the last time we talk. Um, if you ever need an orientation of the sex club culture in Toronto, I'm your girl. Um, it could be, have you been to any of the clubs in Toronto? Oh yeah. I've taught at all of them. Oh, yeah. so you're very familiar <laughs> with them all. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah. So you're them. right. We are living like parallel lives. It was just I mean, like a few years before. In. I'm yeah. telling you, you are me in a different body. And it's, it's for me, it's really interesting because I'm just, I'm like fangirling on you. And I'm just like, is this a plug? I don't know. It's so funny. <laughs> so thank you so much, Luna Matadas, for all of your help today, making the Daddy John thing feel safe, learning all about where you can go to get so much better enriched sexual education than you could ever find on Google or even YouTube. I mean, you, you do have your own website. You sell courses that are designed to help people, you know, really master some things that will give them a head start in those areas. So I really hope people check you out. There is a lot of room out there for hopefully to fill the gap of the, the lack of sex education, specifically sex pleasure education. A lot of it, um, I remember Sex with Sue, Sue Johansson. I'm sure you're familiar with her. She also yeah. Know, right. Um, you know, rest in peace. I, I was so, so sad about that. But I remember seeing a clip of her on a, on a night on a talk show at night many years ago, and she was showing a toy and saying, well, the women's vagina only has pleasure for these many inches. And the guys were squirming. They were like, oh, we don't need to know that. And she's like, well, what do you mean you don't need to know that? And here, like, I'm like, they didn't even think they needed to know how women receive pleasure. 
That's no. where you started. So Absolutely. Look at, we're standing on the shoulder of giants. Like, like Absolutely. Hansen, and uh, I wish you all the success in the world. You're doing a lot of uh, positive work out there. So keep it up. Thank you. And you too. Awesome. And anyone else can go to tryunicorn.com and get all of my special links. I've got a lot of other podcasts, including my sex stories podcast, where no one is giving me a strike or community guidelines violation for saying bad words. So you can find those links in the description of the podcast as, as well as Luna Matata's website. And uh, thank you, Luna, for a wonderful interview. Thank you.